just keep calling us back to you and, and putting our trust and faith in you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, some of you may have uh, heard this statement that some men are born great and other men have preaching thrust upon them. That's my situation today. Uh, On Friday, Jim uh, called me and he said, hey, uh, can you preach on Sunday? The world's kind of turned upside down. And uh, he is out um, mourning with the... uh, So Alex and Elise Esclamato, um, their nephew... Ty Williams died. He's a 12-year-old boy. He got caught up in a flash flood, apparently. And so Jim is out there with them. And so um, our prayers can go for uh, that family who is mourning uh, the loss of their son. And then uh, other announcements. We have Dick Clark. Uh, Dick and Paula, some of you may know them. Um, But Dick just passed away. And so, again, uh, prayers for them. And uh, Bill Spears' class is canceled because he got stuck in Denver. So, uh, the question on the table. Uh, the, the thing that I want to look at is the question, why would we want to go deeper in our faith? And I was talking to Jim about this. He called me into his office on Friday and he said, Hey, Rob, I want to, you know, come in here. I want to try to get at what, help me understand what I'm trying to get at and give me some ideas because he was still preaching at that time, so that was good. And, um, and so we were talking about some ideas about what it is that he was trying to drive at and then uh, he called me on Friday night and asked if I would preach and so I was like, sure. And, and as I was wrestling with it Saturday, it seemed like it was coupled with another question of why would we want to embrace mystery? And so it's like two sides of the same coin. Why on the first side would we want to embrace or go deeper in our faith? And on the second side, why would we want to embrace mystery? So those are the, the two, you know, two big pictures that uh, I'd like to wrestle with. And, uh, and so I thought I would start with uh, a fun little uh, comic, Calvin and Hobbes, if you guys want to throw that up there. So since you guys can't read it, I'll read it for you. Right? Humorous is kind of fun. It's this idea of ignorance is bliss, or is it? Right? And uh, so just recently we've been reading King Lear in, uh, in our class, 
And uh, having a blast, by the way, it's, uh, you w- would be surprised at how much fun you can have reading King Lear, but there you go. So ha- Shakespeare's on my brain, so I thought, oh, this makes me think of Hamlet. And uh, in one of the most famous soliloquies in probably Western literature, uh, Hamlet is wrestling the, with the question of suicide because his dad was murdered by his uncle and then his mom married his uncle and life is miserable and he's asking the question, to be or not to be? You know, is it better to be or not to be? That's the question. And in the middle of that soliloquy, he has this to say. something after death the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others we know not of thus conscious does make cowards of us all it's not a very it's not a very uh, uplifting uh, worldview um, his, his his idea of the afterlife is not very um, bright, let's say. And uh, his dealing with the present moment seems very, like he's wrestling with all of the pains of, you know, who would put up with all of the miseries that we endure? Why would we do that? And that's a good question. And that's, uh, that's part of what it is that I want to investigate. And uh, obviously I want to investigate it within the confines of the Christian response to these questions. Because... Um, no matter where you go in the world, and I was lucky I had the opportunity to study uh, philosophy of religion at Denver Seminary for a number of years, and you look at all these different ways that people wrestle with these very fundamental questions, and they're simple. They're simple, and yet they can break you. And how do people answer it? What's their solution? What is it that makes it, what makes life tolerable? And uh, one of my... Uh, favorite uh, Christian apologists is a guy by the name of G.K. Chesterton, and he wrote um, at the late uh, 19th century, early 20th century, um, and uh, he viewed the world as a sort of cosmic shipwreck. You know, a person's search for meaning resembles a sailor who awakens from a deep sleep and discovers treasures strewn about, relics from a civilization he can barely remember. And one by one, you know, he picks them up. A gold coin, a compass, fine clothing. And he tries to discern the meaning of these things. He's like, this is, this is the state of fallen humanity. Good things on earth. The, the natural beauty of the world. Beauty, love, joy. They still bear the traces of their original purpose. But amnesia mars the image of God in us. And we wrestle, we were like, how, what is, what is the meaning of this? 
Why am I attracted to this and repelled by that? How does this all work together? And because of our fallen state, we can't make sense of it. And for Chesterton, who wrestled a lot with these questions, these very deep questions, wrestled with depression, wrestled with uh, despair, his conclusion was that the riddles of God prove more satisfying than the answers proposed without God. And I feel like that's a really fundamental place to start is uh, in, in uh, the Hebrew scriptures we read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So just the first step in wrestling with life is to say, is there a God or is there not a God? Because if there is, well then let's explore that. But if there isn't, my Lord, what a depressing, despairing Hopeless outlook. You know, we, uh, we up here in Summit County, we have a number of ways of uh, dealing with these deep problems. And I feel like probably the most fundamental, pervasive response to life is to pretend that these questions don't exist and to distract. You know, we've got, we're the adrenaline junkie capital of the world. You know, it's like whatever we can do to keep ourselves busy and keep ourselves from thinking about things that... Uh, are always percolating underneath. We're like, oh, crush it. I don't want to think about it. Let's go skiing. I don't want to think about it. Let's go for a bike ride. I don't want, you know, always, always, always moving, moving, moving to the next thing. Or you have the people that, you know, they experience the pain, they experience the crush, and their solution is to point fingers and to get angry and to blame. And at the end of uh, uh, that process, is just a bunch is a very angry, sad, isolated person. And then you have, you know, the, I was in a, a conversation with a couple of friends of mine, and they're young, 28-somethings, and I play music with them on occasion, and we were having a conversation, and they are both full-on nihilists. That's the word they used. Yeah, we're, I'm a nihilist. Yeah, me too. There's nothing. There's, we're just here. That's it. And... Uh, so it all, it, that boils down to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Get as many toys as you can, and, uh, well, that's it. Life sucks, it's not fair, and you just kind of make the best of it. Whew. If you want to swallow that pill, okay. But I don't think it's the best one. And so, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and in the story that when you, when you start to investigate these things, you find, like, captured in the, the Judeo-Christian story is this continuum. It's like the big picture story we all know, um, unless you don't know, here it is. You know, we have, at the very, very beginning, you have God, and he has a plan. And I like to think of God having a plan because I know, for me, if I have a plan of execution of something, I'm like, this is how it's going to play out. I've thought about this, and I've thought of every contingency that could possibly you know, derail my plan, and I've got it all covered. And then I go to execute my plan, and something always goes wrong. It never goes the way I think it should. And that seems to be the way of it with me. But I figure God, being all-powerful, perfect, he could, he could devise a plan that's going to... You know, he's got all of his I's dotted and T's crossed and, all right, this is coming through. It's going to happen. So he's got God in his plan. He creates 
and the creation is good. So that's a great place to start. But then we have the fall. We have our human decision that fractures that and breaks it. And the depth to which we fell from there, I don't know that we understand. I don't know that we could really grasp how far we've fallen. But it's when we, when we touch things, when we see things that are beautiful and good, and they make us weep because I don't know why. I just respond to it. You're like, wow, I don't know why that affects me like that, but whew, that is powerful. So we have that fall, and then uh, we have the cross, we have redemption, and then in, from that moment on, we have this reconciliation project that God is on. And this was part of his plan. Um, and so it's uh, out of Colossians. This is uh, one of my favorite verses because it has such an incredible, uh, the, the reach of hope of this um, statement is remarkable. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so when we think about uh, God, there's the, the, in Christian theology you think of God as being transcendent, which means he's so big and he's so other that we just cannot possibly grasp him. And when you think about the, the, the size of the universe or the complexity of the human brain, which some people say is the most complicated thing in the universe. Just the human brain is right here in my head. Um, mine is not as complicated as others, but it's still, um, it's marvelous. But like the, the mind behind the creation of all of what we experience is real. To try to house that being in my brain doesn't work. It's too big. It's too awesome and so we talk of God being transcendent and then there's the idea of God being imminent like God came down and he walked with us and he supped with us and he led a path that we are to follow and so there's this tangible close intimate picture that we get as well and you're like aha that's something I can understand that's something I can hang on to and when we think of this continuum from God's plan through the creation, fall, cross, redemption, that reconciliation project, we can think of God reconciling on the macro because he is transcendent. He is all-powerful. He can do mighty things in the universe, in the world, in global crises. And he's imminent, and he can take, and he can take someone's life as, you know, as unassuming as mine. I'm just one guy in the middle of a universe of people, and he can take that life, and he can. He had a plan at the beginning that had me in mind, and he created it, and I'm good. The fundamental platform I can stand on is that the Lord made me good. And there are parts of me that I don't like. There are parts of me that I wish I could change. And I, you know, I pray, Lord, please, can you just rewire my brain so it doesn't go down that rut? 
But in one day, well, you know, I'll, I'll get there. Because the fundamental platform is good. And he's going to move me. And he's going to reconcile me. And I just have to walk. I have to be patient. And that's okay. I can deal with that for right now. Um, so when we ask the question, why would we want to go deeper in our faith? Or why would we want to embrace the mystery? It's framed by this general understanding you know first that there's a God that he's good third he did not leave us alone but he came down and he walked with us so that we wouldn't feel like he's not something that's far away but he's close he's intimate and fourth he is reconciling he's in that process of bringing beauty out of ashes and so that's, that's, like the, that, that's the, the framework that we can understand the rest of this question of why would we want to move deeper or why would we embrace mystery. That's the, that's, that's the confines of which we look at it with. And so to begin with, I would like to just look at the, you know, why would we want to go deeper? Why would we want to go deeper in our faith? And to this, I would say, we all experience things that even in spite of ourselves, we celebrate. And I, and I have, you know, the, the examples are many. But you think of, when I was a kid, one of my favorite things was my bowl of Cheerios. And it was the plain Cheerios. There wasn't anything on it. My mom refused to buy the sugared cereals because they weren't good for us. And so the solution to the, the problem was uh, the cereal, milk, and then about a quarter cup of sugar or something on there, Right? Sprinkle it on there, eat it up. And then the best part was that you got the, the last remains of the milk and the sugar is all like mushed together and you just drink that celebration. Oh, that was so good, right? <laughs> and then now you take that from a child's perspective and you're like, man, that was good. And then you bring it to an adult perspective. I don't appreciate that anymore. I'm like, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'll pass. But, like last summer, I went to uh, Shane and Jason Ardell's. And if you don't know them, they're fantastic. And if you don't know about them, they are fantastic cooks. Like, unbelievable. And they made these Rubens, and uh, Jason had, uh, you know, done all the corned beef. Everything was, you know, from the ground zero all the way up. And he made a Reuben that, you know, transported me into the heavens. It was so good. And I celebrated. I'm like, ah! God, that is so good. I'm going to start crying because it's so beautiful, right? Um, Or you think of like when I was a kid, I remember I had my favorite pair of tennis shoes and the shoelace broke. I was like, oh man, shoelace broke. My mom bought me a brand new pair of shoelaces and they were bright white and I stuck them in there and man, I thought I could, I was like, my shoes were so cool and I celebrated, I could move so fast. And I'm thinking, man, that's, it's something that you just feel. And later on, you know, as I grow older, I used to climb rocks a lot. And like now I'm a full-grown man and I'm strong and I'm hanging on to the side of a cliff and the sun is shining and I've got 300 feet below me and the birds are flying around. Awesome. And there's this celebration. It's, uh, it's like when uh, Eric Little would talk about how I feel the Lord's p- pleasure when I run. It's like I feel it. Or you think about... Um, <laughs> I made the joke of uh, there's the like when you're a kid and you, you got your little water wings 
or your little floaty ring and you're in the water and you're thinking, this is the coolest thing, I can float, this is awesome. But then you grow and you, you be learn and you go sailing with like a tin ceiling or uh, you're like uh, Dan Burnett, although I've heard sailing with Dan is dangerous, so I wouldn't do that. But tin ceiling, like they grow and they know how to harness the power of the wind and they know how to make their boat go fast so it just goes skimming across the water. And there's something that you celebrate with like the, the beauty of that or the, the power, the excellence of it all. And it just makes you want to sing. Uh, you read a good book or you read an essay. So I remember one time I read a line of poetry. It was six words. And I read it. And suddenly I'm weeping. I'm like, I don't understand how that happens. That's marvelous. Or you think of art. And I, I have this... Uh, Show, throw that, that picture up, uh, Errol. So this is a picture my youngest son drew. Um, it's a picture of him and his brother. It's a little, you know, pencil, pencil picture. It's him and Jonah. And as a father, I see that, and I, and I celebrate that, because there's something innocent and pure and beautiful. You're like, oh. And the art is terrible, right? You call that a tree? Come on. You know, just, but you celebrate because there's something that it, it's it, the transcendent quality of it. It just speaks to you. And then go to the next one, Errol. Now this was a, another pencil drawing of brothers. This artist, he's drawing a picture of he and his uh, older brother when uh, he's old, and now his skill to capture that in pencil. And it talks of uh, love and unity and there's a beauty that it causes you to celebrate. So all these things that we can, that we can paint, you know, to look to and when we experience these things, our heart celebrates inside of us. It's, it's like I have no choice but to respond and it's beautiful. And when I run into those, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want more of it. I want to press in deeper and it's like, Where's the well? If that's the water, where is the well? And I want to move in. And when I make the connection, if wisdom can be found in the fear of the Lord, I make the connection that all of these things come from the Lord. And He's good. And so to press in deeper to that, to move closer to that, that's my heart's desire. That's the way I've been created and fashioned is, is to, that's the, that's the gasoline that lights my fire that drives me and draws me and motivates me to move in the world. I want more of that. And so that idea of, yes, I want to move in deeper. That's why I want to move in deeper because life is beautiful and good and full of so many things that cause us to celebrate. And then there's the flip side of the coin the person who stands up and says, aha, but what about? And to be honest with you, I have a, I have a skeptic in my heart. And he's always raising the finger and saying, yeah, but what about? And this is the other side of the coin. Why would we want to embrace mystery? And it's... It's easy to point to examples. It's like the United States, for example, is the largest 
consumer base for the child sex slave trafficking um, world on the planet. Yeah, but what about that? What about the child who's born and sold into that world? God, are you sure you're reigning up there? You sure you're sovereign? Because I see that and I'm thinking all is not well. And I have to square that. How do I square that question with this idea that God is good and beautiful, sovereign, in control? You think of the, uh, the child who's born with spina bifida. Um, I was at a music conference once and I was talking to a father whose son had been born with spina bifida and he'd been through countless surgeries and his boy was 12 at the time and I was talking to his father and he's like, yeah, he, he's just now, he's starting to ask those, he's starting to feel those questions about, is anybody going to love me? Me being like this? And he has no choice in the matter. He was born like that. He's chained to this body. But he's 12 and I'm watching him and he's still 12 and so he's in his wheelchair and he's, he's just goofing around. He's like trying to see how fast he can get his wheelchair to go. And he's, he's celebrating because he's like, oh, look how fast I can make this thing go. In the middle of that pain, in the middle of that world, uh, from my perspective, I'm thinking, ah, oh, Lord, why? And he doesn't care about that right now because he's 12 and he's like, check this out, I can, I can get this thing going so fast, right? He's celebrating like you think of a you know the couple and they want desperately to have a child they can't and the pain that that creates or you think of the couple that has the child and then they lose the child like Ty Williams you know that 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 father that mother I can't imagine that you know my boys are seven and nine and if I lost with them I don't know where would I go kind of questions that you answer in a situation like that. The crush of it all. Right? And it's easy. You can point you can point anywhere. All of us probably have our own stories. You think about the the wars and the the pains that have been visited upon people and you just go, God, why? And the and there's no reply sometimes. Except, and this is where you know the mystery is deep, and the answers oftentimes are fraught with complications and oftentimes not very palatable. But I feel like, in my experience, when I look around and I say, Okay, I don't like that answer, I want a better answer. And I look around and, I, and I, I kind of survey the landscape and say, well, where else can I go? And I look at the other possibilities. Well, the real answer is that there is no such thing as good and evil. So uh, it's all just, you know. I'm like, what? That doesn't resonate with this, this part of me that celebrates the good and the beautiful. Or it's all illusion. There is no you. There is no me. We're all one in... I'm like, what? That doesn't, that doesn't resonate with the, the love that I feel when my kid runs home. He's like, Dad, he gives me a hug. 
That doesn't fly. That doesn't, that doesn't square with my experience. When you look at these possibilities, and you know, going back to Chesterton, he's like, even at its worst, take, give me the worst possible example that you can of something that doesn't square. He's like, and I would say that at its worst, the fact that there is something is better than there not being anything. Because if you, take a, if you pay attention, all of these things that we wrestle with, the kid born with spine bifida, the couple that can't have a kid, the child sold into the sex trafficking world, the, you know, the, the life that's ruined by drugs, you, you name it. All of those examples, they get their sting by stealing from the good. They borrow from what is good and beautiful. So the kid who's born with the spina bifida, we recognize that as sad, tragic, but we only recognize it's sad and tragic because we understand what it means to be born good and whole. We look at the couple who's mourning because they can't have a kid. And you recognize the sadness and the, and the pain of that. But it's only because we understand that God fashioned us to, to be able to procreate. Now why that doesn't happen? That's the hard question. That's the mystery. That's the... And then you turn to people that have walked these roads that are like they walked through the pit of hell and they carried the Lord with them through that. And uh, one of these people that I have found myself encouraged by more than once is uh, Corey Ten Boom who wrote The Hiding Place. If, uh, some of you read that, I'm sure. But she and her family were hiding Jews during World War II. They got caught. They got put on the trains. They got sent to the concentration camps. And Corrie ten Boom lost her sister in the middle of this concentration camp. And the horrors that were visited upon them, the pain that they endured, the suffering that they experienced. And then you listen to the words that she carries with her from that experience in the middle of that experience you read some of the accounts like they, you, you don't understand it. you're like how do you celebrate in the middle of that they celebrated lice Corey talked about how their particular room was riddled with lice and she's like it was awesome because the guards didn't want to get lice so they never checked on us like how in the world and she has this to say do you know what hurts so very much it's love. Love is the strongest force in the world. And when it is blocked, that means pain. There are two things we can do when this happens. We can kill that love so that it stops hurting. But then, of course, part of us dies too. Or we can ask God... to open up another route for that love to travel. And looking back on her experiences, uh, you know, coming out of the uh, concentration camp, and she says, today I know that such memories are the key not to the past but to the future. I know that the experiences of our lives, when we let God use them, become the mysterious and perfect preparation 
for the work he will give us to do. And that idea of God's plan and this idea of his plan had all of this in mind. It had me in mind, had you in mind. It moves us through to this idea that everything that we've experienced, every single thing that we, you know, I've been broken and beat up like the rest of you guys, and I've been crushed by some of these questions, but not like some. I look at some other people like her, and I'm like, Psh, my life's easy. But even in the middle of my own little suffering, I can say, God can use this if I don't like myself because I can be selfish or I can be, uh, you know, pig-headed or whatever it may be. Or I've hurt people and I'm like, oh, so sad. But God can take all that and reconcile it on into the future. And the things that I do, the way I live my life, it's like a work of art. You look at some of the great masters and the balance of the light and the dark. And you think, out of the darkness, God can bring light and make it good. It was good from the beginning and it still is good. And even though I can't necessarily touch it right now, it will be good. So uh, Corey Ten Boom had an experience which I find the, the, the picture of it is very helpful, I think, in handling this question of why would we want to move further into mystery. And she, uh, she writes about an experience of going to a different town with her father. Her, ta- her father was a clock watchmaker and he had to get a bunch of parts. And coming back, she asks her father, she's, let's read it, Um, And so, seated next to my father in the train compartment, I suddenly asked, Father, what is sex sin? Because she'd heard this term. She wanted to know what it was. He turned to look at me, as he always did when answering a question, but to my surprise, he said nothing. At last, he stood up, lifting his traveling case off the floor and set it uh, off of the carriage, and he set it on the floor. Will you carry it off the train, Corey? He said. I stood up and tugged at it. It was crammed with the watches and spare parts he had purchased that morning. It's too heavy, I said. Yes, he said. And it would be a pretty poor father who would ask his little girl to carry such a load. It's the same way, Corey, with knowledge. Some knowledge is too heavy for children. And when you are older and stronger, you can bear it. For now, you must trust me to carry it for you. And sometimes I feel like those questions that we ask, why? It's too heavy. It's too heavy for us to carry right now. So we have to trust that the Lord will carry that question for us. Which brings us to the idea of, I find that one of the greatest although not a great satisfactory answer, but the best one that I find on the planet is the fact that God came down as Jesus and walked with us. Something that we can understand, something that's real and touch. We can touch it, smell it, feel it. And he walked this road right through the cross. It's like he didn't, he didn't create this whole thing and then step back from it and be like, whew, screwed that one up. You know? He said, nope, I made this and I'm coming down and I'm walking and I'm walking this path and then he has the audacity to say follow me 
follow me. The answer is this way. You sure? It's not the best answer that I wanted to hear. I wanted you to like snap your fingers. I wanted you to make everything great. Follow me. In the middle of all that. So when we celebrate, when we see those things that cause our heart to just rejoice, I want to move deeper. I want to know that. That Lord that created the world to operate on that kind of love. And when I experience those questions that are hard and painful, to embrace the mystery of it and to trust that the Lord can carry that question for a time, for a season, until one day I see him face to face and understand. And it's like I feel like he's going to take my aches and my pains and he's going to plant them in the soil. And he's just going to grow beauty out of it. That's my hope. And we have this for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life Jesus uh, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's that hope. There's that celebration. There's that, that pathway through those difficult questions. So why would we want to go deeper in our faith? Why would we want to embrace mystery? It's because it's good and beautiful. And because 
It gives us answers to these fundamental questions. Where did I come from? You came from the Lord, and he made you good. Is there a meaning to life? Yes, there is. Even in the middle of the most horrifying circumstances, there's meaning. And you can find beauty there. Is there purpose? You bet. Everything that we do, how we live our lives, the way we embrace the things that come to us and the people that are put into our world, it's important. And it will be important forever because we have a destiny and it's to be with him. And we're going to celebrate. So I'd like to just, uh, I'd like to play a, a song for you and have you take a look. This is a Rembrandt painting of the prodigal son return. And oftentimes I feel like uh, a prodigal in some sense because these questions have moved me far afield. And at some point I realized the Lord is good. Why don't I return? And there's the embrace. So with that.
Lord, thank you. Father, for the glimpses that we get into your heart. Through the things that we experience that cause our hearts to celebrate. May we hold those and cherish those, Father. And understand them, Father, is ultimately coming from you. And Lord, in the mystery of the world, in the mystery of our experience that doesn't understand the pains, Lord, help us to understand that you are in the business of reconciling. Help us to be patient and to trust that you can carry that load. And in the middle of those trials, Father, I pray that we would see your goodness catch those glimpses of your beauty that would lift us and cause our hearts to celebrate and to be fuel, Father, to move our feet in the path of peace and the path of joy that we would run to do the good. We pray these things in your name.